Hey, all you Theosciples, I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at GCTNetwork.com, your Great Commission transmission. It's the Theonauts. Number 139. The one where we're counting down the hits. I'm Casey Kasem. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo minstrels out there. I'm David Caddy. Oh, that can be taken so... Okay, I'm <laughs> Jeremiah Orr. <laughs> and together we are... The, the Theo Nuts! Wow. I didn't say minstrels. Uh, I got it, I got it. Minstrels. I, no, we don't even need to go <laughs> there. Let's just move on. Hey, David, uh... Did you get that Casey Kasem reference, by the way? Oh, I did. That was awesome. Did you ever listen to that? Oh, yeah, kid, all man? the time. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That was like my time zone, my time frame. You've ever waiting with a tape deck, right? <laughs> yeah. Waiting for your favorite yeah, song yeah, to come on yeah. so you can hit record. Yeah. And then stuff With two in- fingers. You had yeah. to like, the, the yes. play and the record button That's at the right. same time. In my day, we <laughs> would you know, we'd use tapes that had already been taped over. We'd yeah. just stuff little balls of paper into the little things, yeah, you know? Yeah, so you can record them. Yeah. Record over <laughs> Record over them. <laughs> my parents would get so angry, pop in their John Denver tape, and it'd be like... <laughs> I don't know, all for one singing, I swear, you know? Wow. <laughs> That'll take you back. Yeah. Did you, you, you know that uh, Casey Kasem was also the voice of uh, Shaggy on Scooby-Doo? <laughs> no yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. And he was... Uh, Dude, that blows me away. How old is that guy? Oh, well, he's dead now. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Um Gosh, he must have been old when he was doing it. Whenever I was a kid, yeah, there was this whole thing where he he like uh, he got dementia and went off the grid. I mean, he escaped from <laughs> from his his room. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff that happened right before he died. It was Dude, really as soon as this episode's over, I'm so wicking that guy. <laughs> okay, so like my growing up listening to cartoons and stuff, he was a voice actor. Yeah, during the '70s and all that. So like really? '60s and '70s. So like uh, Scooby Doo. Uh, he was also in, okay, when anime first came, of course we didn't call it anime, it was Japanimation right. back then, but uh, one of my favorite shows was Battle of the Planets, it was this <laughs> Japanese animated thing. Anyway, in the English version, Casey Kasem was wow. the voice of the main character, like wow. yeah, Mark, he, he was the uh, huh. the hawk or whatever he was, they, they, they all were like in bird outfits. The, wow, the team. <laughs> See, I thought he was like this um, in the fifties and sixties. He was like in those, you know, the the movies with like the dancing on the beach and all that. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. He was like one of those guys. I don't remember that. But and then he moved on and did radio stuff. Hmm. And like you know, did he? He may have done that. I don't know. I I just remember him being in Scooby Doo was this big one. That, probably confusing him with somebody else. Oh, and Batman. He was uh, 
he was Robin, I think, in the Batman and Robin cartoon. The original Batman and Robin cartoon. Well, the one in the 70s. The right. Hanna-Barbera one. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. Yeah. Cartoon. Wow. That's really cool. Huh. <laughs> My favorite thing with him was Saved by the Bell. Like, he did an episode of Saved by the Bell, uh-huh. like, where he did a countdown of the top 40, and Zach Morris, and they did a <laughs> dance-off. <laughs> right and oh stupid but i loved it you know because i was a big say by the bell fan yeah that's awesome anyways this episode is yeah. not about casey case well but we are doing a countdown so that's right we are so but you know we have not been on oh my gosh the, the air here for what a week and a half two yeah, weeks two weeks i think man it's been two weeks because we went and experienced god's splendor in Sunny, beautiful Colorado. Yes. It was awesome, man. Partly sunny, partly. Yeah, partly (laughs) raining the entire time. It is the monsoon season. (laughs) But it was gorgeous nonetheless. Oh, my goodness. I went up on the um, Continental Divide, Mm. stood, straddled the Rio Grande River. (laughs) It was awesome. Tried to get pictures with Blakely and wildflowers. You know That was awesome. And she just... Could not handle it. She wigged out as soon as I set her down. It was so funny. Oh, her face. It's definitely a uh, prized picture. But and you got to hike a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. I hiked one day. I hiked like hiked like seven miles out into the wilderness. There, we almost like it was a. It was this trail that went down to some falls, and the goal, of course, was to get to the falls. Right. And we, and we were reading up on it. It was like about three and a half miles in to where the falls were. Sure. So Melanie and I are, are hiking through here and we're, you know, tracking ourselves with our GPS and all this. And we had gone like 3.65 miles or something and still no sign of these falls. And we kept thinking, okay, well, maybe you have to veer off the trail somewhere because the river, we could hear it. Right. And you couldn't really walk along the river. You had to follow this trail that went up the mountain. Uh, and so we we did a lot of climbing and a lot of sure. descending. And it was wearing Melanie out for sure. And uh, so she was like, "I'm we're just going to have to turn around. We can't go any further. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, bummer. So we, <laughs> so we turn around and we start heading, uh, heading back out. And we go about a mile or so. Yeah. And we pass someone. Or someone passes us that had was was coming the same direction as us, but quicker. Right. And we were like, "Oh, hey, did y'all hike to the falls?" And they were like, "Oh, yeah." And I was like, "Where was it at?" And so they start describing the landmarks and all this, and I'm like, "We were less than a quarter of a mile <laughs> from the from the falls." Wow. <laughs> when we turned around, so you know, it just you know, there's years. a great scriptural analogy in that, or a great life lesson in that. Oh, I'm sure. You stop right <laughs> before you reach the, you know. Yeah. Paul says, push towards the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Don't quit. And, Don't stop. Uh, yeah. But oh. but still, you know, it was over seven miles that we sure. trekked, so we were that's pretty worn lo- out. That's a lot of hiking, man. And, uh, and it wasn't flat, you know. It was right. climbing and all kinds of stuff. So it was uh, it was great. And the even though we didn't see the falls, oh, man, the the – the imagery that we experienced the entire time was just fantastic. Yeah, gorgeous. Wow. And the weather was beautiful. I mean, the, the sky was as blue as it could possibly be. Right. Pine trees and aspen trees and mountains and yeah. cool breeze. I mean, it was just 
you know, I, yeah, picturesque. I, I loved it. Every day it was just, <laughs> it, was, it felt like paradise. Mm-hmm. Except for I couldn't breathe. But other than that, it was great. Yeah. So that was an issue too, when, especially yeah. whenever you start hiking a lot. And it's like, oh, where's the oxygen? Right. <laughs> I'm a Texas boy. Yes, I, I need some. I need some air. <laughs> of course, then whenever we landed, we flew. Yeah, and when we landed from Durango, Colorado, straight into Dallas, we get off the plane and oh come God. out of the terminal, and it was like you just stepped into Heavy. a sauna. Yeah, it was like the weight of the air was just landing on you, and it was a hundred degree. <laughs> <laughs> I went out Sunday morning on my front porch, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm getting right back in my car and driving right back to Colorado because, <laughs> dude, it was crazy. And we drove through. It was, it was nuts. Saturday, we drove. You guys flew. We drove. Yeah. Saturday, we're driving through Amarillo, Childress, yes. Texas. Yeah. Like, I looked up at my thermometer, my temperature gauge. <clears throat> outside, it was 70 degrees inside, so I know it wasn't tracking inside. Outside, it was 110 degrees. And I'm going, that's nuts. <laughs> like, that is absolutely insane. Hot. Like, crazy. So, but, you know. I'm, it's, it's fascinating how much the temperature difference is in just a few hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because during the day, every day up there was like 64. Five, something like you know, right? And then at night it was it dropped down to forty, right? We were like putting on hoodies and stuff, yeah. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is July, yeah. <laughs> like we're supposed to be like baking this time I, of year. Yeah, I laughed. My mother-in-law said, <clears throat> she's like, you know, you should be careful because it's like 85 degrees. It says it's gonna be really hot today. <laughs> and I'm just like, you, I started laughing, and Christina hit me, but I'm like. <laughs> Does she not know like what hot is? Because Texas, like she should feel it. It's it's oppressive hot. It's it is it That's is a good word for yes, it. Yes, it's so, so it breaks this fat the, boy's heart. We're, we're, it's the it's just the right combination of heat and humidity. Yeah, it'll just that, knock you out. Of course, it's not as bad as as our friends down in Picume, Mississippi. Mississippi yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine going through that. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm you better out. have that AC on and blast, man. <laughs> so anyway, it was a good trip. We had a great time. Got it. Got to. Uh, yeah. Got to get away and refresh the soul a little bit. That's right. Yeah. Come back and do a top ten episode. Yeah. You wanna... well, it doesn't require too much study. So. That's right. You want to jump into it? Let's do it. All right. So this is like you're just gonna eat up this episode. <laughs> well, <coughs> so you suggested doing a top ten episode of worship songs. We've done top ten episodes of Christian songs. We've done top ten episode of hymns. Yeah. Um, and so, but we've never done a top ten episode. Yeah, because because we of did worship songs. <coughs> we did like the, contemporary worship. Yeah, we did the one where just songs in general, I mm-hmm. guess, is what it was because. All the metal came out, and oh, Rich yeah. Mullins and a uh, big mix, right? And um, and then we, and then of course the hymn, epi- the infamous hymn episode that, <laughs> that uh, caused all kinds of drama, garnered all the drama. <clears throat> so did you generate? Got a, a mansion <laughs> on a hilltop. Okay, anyway, so 
<laughs> Just the cottage below. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> did you choose any of this go around that you don't like? Because um, I didn't really do that. I mean, I can if you want to go there. Because <laughs> that's the fun part. That's what oh, gets man, us in trouble. I can, I can really rip on some songs, especially some newer songs that have come out yeah. that are so human-centric and so human-focused right. that I think that they do not belong at all in a worship service when we're trying to focus on God. Right. Here's my two... Okay, so I'm a worship leader. I've been a worship leader ever since I was 18 years old, leading worship for Ichthus, you know, which was my youth band, right? Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Classic name. Anyways. Nice. Don't laugh at me. Uh, I'm not saying anything. I had a band called Stained White. (laughs) We we totally took Stain's name and we did Stained White. We even wrote S-T-A-I-N and then D, you know? (laughs) Without the E, right? (laughs) Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. But, uh, you know... Your, your best Aaron Lewis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but ever since then, I, you know, I've done... And I'll, I've, I've led worship songs I don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. Annoy the, the junk out of me. Like, you ever heard... Um, Behold, he comes riding on a cloud. You ever heard that one? No. Well, there's a line in that that song, and I forget the name of it, but it's terrible. But it's um, <laughs> these are the days of his servant David building a temple of praise. Okay. David never built a temple, right? <laughs> Solomon did. Like this guy obviously didn't know his, you know, Bible. At all. <laughs> Anyways, nice. that's just one of those. But <clears throat> usually, I have. Two main criteria for picking worship songs. Mm-hmm. Very important things. I, I think it's... I don't want to get legalistic in this. Okay? So don't get me wrong. But I think that it's absolutely um, detrimental, the words that you say in worship sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, they can... You know, it's easy to get feelings. Right. Um, but the worship, the words are important. Mm-hmm. That you're singing, and so there are two things I, that I look for. Number one, do they glorify? If if it's focus, if it's God centered, then it's awesome for me. Yeah, focusing on the attributes of God. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at that. Big deal. But the other thing is, if it is human centric, and there are some worship songs I accept that are human centric. But the reason I do is because they're still focused on the attributes of God towards man. Right. So grace and love towards yeah. us. Yeah, well, I mean, a perfect example of that would be, like, <laughs> Amazing Grace. Yes. Because that is about a journey from wretchedness right. to salvation. Yeah. Uh, and and so, and, and <clears throat> you know, I'm the same way, different different book but mm-hmm. same uh same thing i i have been leading right. worship in the church that i was raised in since i was 14 years old right um but it all came out of the hymnal like there was no contemporary you know there was less stuff to shift through well because it was all hidden <clears throat> stuff yes but uh that being said and i think we went through some of this when we did the yeah. hymn episode a lot of those hymns like a big chunk of those hymns are focused on heaven more than they're focused on God. Right. Like, I'm going to get to a place that's going to be better than this place. Exactly. And uh, so, 
I agree with you. Like yeah. those songs, of course, when I was younger, I didn't think anything of them. But now I prefer to sing songs that uh, that bring adoration to yeah. God, and less about oh, woe is me, I'm so bad here, but one day everything will be great. Yeah. Um, even I, and I guess you know if that's where. If those songs bring you comfort, I don't really have a problem with those songs, but I prefer yeah to I, yeah I to celebrate God right, <laughs> and that's for me that's the big deal because we're worshiping who what are we worshiping here? If we're worshiping heaven, I don't know if we're worshiping. Uh, I don't want to say rightly, but yeah, honestly, I I just don't feel like you know for me for me. It it does God justice. Yeah. Well, you know? and I really do like songs that that tell the story of what God has done for me. Yes. Too. Like those. Yes, they're not direct praise necessarily. There might be some in there, but I do think, especially if it's if the lyrics of the song hit on my journey. Like if it's my if I'm reading these lyrics, I'm going, my goodness, this is me. This is. This is where I am. Right. It really speaks well whenever I worship through those, through those lyrics. Yeah. So, like some of the songs that I've I've picked are, you know, they're kind of tired songs because they're popular uh, contemporary worship songs. But having been raised just singing hymns, a lot of these tired contemporary songs are kind of new to me. And they're speaking to me in ways that they might not be speaking to people who have sung sure. them over and over and over and over. So, and I honestly, <laughs> most of my favorite worship songs are the story of redemption over and over and over and over again. Yeah, some of them. Okay, so you'll see a theme develop in my picks. They're either focused on God's attributes mm-hmm. and like solely on the attributes of God, or they're focused on the story of redemption. Which is the theme of you know renewing God God reaching down and renewing us and changing us and mm-hmm. and so those those are the ones that just bring my my heart and my soul to worship you know so anyways there's a disclaimer okay. I guess so, if you want to do that so um, we talked about doing like a top ten thing yes so I, I, I picked like five songs. Okay. So that way we could have 10, but you probably got a good 10. Well, I picked 10. <laughs> and the reason I, I did them in like an order, like from uh, least to greatest. Okay. 10 countdown. Like, so yeah, I did top 10. You picked only five? Well, oh, no. Well, I picked five because I knew that, that if I picked 10 and you picked 10, it'd take forever. Yeah, we'd be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, do you want to do your five and then I'll do ten, or do you just um, want to inter, inter, interweave them? Let's 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 bounce them back and forth. Let's All do, right, let's do one and one. Okay, deal. So, okay, I didn't really put mine in any particular countdown order. Okay, um, but I will pick out some of them, some of them that um, that I I get a lot out of. Some of these I think is I, I think it's cool whenever at a hymn gets. A, a revised rearranged or, or yeah revamped type of thing where uh like for example um and this is it, this isn't really one of those songs but it has some of that in that and i think it is actually your wife's favorite worship song yes uh lord i need you <laughs> and uh um, all right i'm going to cross <clears throat> these off my list yeah <laughs> 
I if may, you there may if be you hit it, then I'm gonna I'm gonna exit out. Okay, and that that's that's how we'll do that. Okay, so okay. Lord, I need you is is one of them that I picked, uh, and of course, growing up, you know, uh, I need thee every hour yes. was the was the hymn mm. that this was kind of drawn from. There's a couple, right. there's a couple of of lines that are identical, but outside of that, it really has not a lot to do with the original original hymn, but. Um, but I, I really love, the, I, I've got the lyrics here. It says, uh, Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. So this is directly to God. This is, this is statements to God, which fits into exactly what we were talking about whenever. Oh, yeah. That, that it just really hits the heart of worship whenever you're actually talking to God. Yes. <clears throat> telling him how great he is. Mm. Um and of course, then there's the Lord. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. That's the line from the old. Yes. From the old uh, hymn. I need thee. Uh, oh, I need thee. But then it can. But then it switches and says, "My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you." Mm. Now this is an important ver- uh, passage for me because um, in my in my background and and how I I grew up. My righteousness was my righteousness, right? <laughs> like I was, like that was what I had that God was going to judge me on, right? Right, and uh, it wasn't until uh, much later that I grasped the mm. idea that my righteousness is filthy rags, as Isaiah tells us, right? Right, and <laughs> and that I don't want that righteousness. Like that's the righteousness I don't want. Right, uh, what I want is what Jesus gave me on the cross. I want what Jesus did. Mm. And so this is a declaration of this. He's saying that, Lord, you are my one defense and you are my righteousness. I can't claim it. I I can only claim it as a gift from him. So I thought that was really good. Uh, Verse 2 says, Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Once again, another concept that escaped a lot of my early um, my early it's theology. That Romans concept, right? Right. And you know, and the the idea being here that that you can't out sin grace. Like right. it is it is an ever present uh, gift. Yes. And so even though I screw up really bad sometimes, um, I can't outrun his grace. Like he is going to uh, to uh, no matter how deep my sin goes, his grace is more. Uh, where grace is found is where you are. Uh, and where you are, Lord, I am free. Man, this is so cool. I mean, this is like, these lyrics speak to me like in such a great, profound way because I feel such freedom uh, in my theology now mm. and my understanding of what God really did for me and just how big of a deal <laughs> that was. Um, so holiness is Christ in me. So it's not my holiness again. It's him being inside me is, is what makes me holy. Uh, where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. So teach my song to rise to you when, temptations comes my, when temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And so anyway, I just think that's a great uh, worship song. It's one that I've really enjoyed uh, doing since we've uh, been doing what we're doing at The Way. And anyway, yes. so that's my first my first one. Uh, that's uh, 
That's an amazing one. All right, so my my number ten. So this is the least of my top ten in Christ Alone uh, by Stuart Townsend wrote the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Getty in back in like two thousand one. Um, what I love about this is even though it's not a hymn. Like, it came out and everybody's like, wow, I've never heard that hymn before. Because it sounds like a hymn whenever right. you listen to it, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's actually written like a hymn. There's no chorus to this. Uh, there's just verses. And um, the thing is, this is one of those redemption songs. So the whole focus is in Christ alone. So the verses, if I'm reading them, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are steeled and striving seats, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. So that first verse is kind of a frame verse because the last three verses um, are the story of redemption. So verse 2 talks about Jesus taking on flesh and then being destroyed uh, in Christ alone who took on flesh fullness of God and helpless bathed this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on the cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death <clears throat> of Christ verse 3 is about his resurrection There in the ground his body lay, light of the world in darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. As he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. That's just powerful. (laughs) It's the story. What I love about this hymn is, or hymn, what I love about this worship song is it's so simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really it's just the story. There's not a whole lot of metaphor. There's no metaphor. Just, just, except for what the scriptures already give us about the cornerstone. Yeah, it's straight up like telling the story of Jesus, but it's <clears throat> it's so powerful. That bursting forth in glorious day, that line mm-hmm. just right there. So, so good. Verse 4 is my favorite verse. No guilt in life, no fear in death. That one line right there. No guilt in life. Mm. What does that mean to me? That means that... Romans 8 and 1. Exactly. (laughs) There's no condemnation, right? Right. That's that idea. No guilt in life, no fear in death. I don't have to be afraid about death anymore. Mm. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. I mean, that yes. <laughs> that verse right there is absolutely just knock you out powerful. Um, and so that's, I mean, this one, we're not singing to, to God here. We're telling his story. Right. Of yes. redemption, which is so... Who he is. Yes. Which Tell is, you like, it's like you're witnessing. You're telling somebody else yeah, who this guy is. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's powerful to me. So I love that one. Awesome. All right. Okay, uh, another one I chose was uh, No Longer Slaves. I'm no longer... Let's see if I have that on there. Is that on your list? <laughs> no, I don't. I, oh. I should have. That's that's yeah. a really good I one. Just I just went through CCLI songs to like, pick the top five. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> it's almost that way. I mean, the ones I picked are very... Well, I say that. 
the first three I picked are very CCLI tops are very common. Well, because they're good. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> so okay, so no longer slaves. Uh, once again, is a very personal one for me because um, I I did come out of a bondage in not just of sin but in, of legalism and things of this nature. And so there is there is this double meaning to this mm. that, um, that I think is, is, really, is really cool because fear ruled a lot of my Christian walk. Like fear of God, and I don't mean a, a uh, reverent fear, but I mean a scared out of my britches fear. Like, don't come back, Jesus. I'm not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that kind of fear. Like, like, I do not want to stand before the throne of God. I do not want to stand in in judgment because I know I will fail, Mm. right? So I had my my understanding of of, uh, salvation, and what powered it was... Skewed, sure. So, uh, so I spent a lot of my Christian walk in fear, and this song is about breaking out of that. It's about uh, no longer being a slave to fear, mm. uh, which is for crying out loud. It's Galatians, like it comes. <laughs> Galatians comes. Do not be enslaved to this bondage anymore. Right. Uh, so, Ugh. verse one says, "You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies." Till all my fears are gone. The chorus says, I am no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Mm. I am no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. Which is, I think that's so cool. Because that really brings in this whole oneness with Christ. Mm. And I... This is one of the metaphors I really love about uh, songs that deal with breathing and uh, and thirsting and blood flowing through your veins. I love this concept that God is in you in every movement, and He's driving your breathing. He's driving, and so uh, that's another thing that really uh, gets me in this song. Uh, the bridge says, "You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love." Was at First John four eighteen, mm-hmm. where it's where it says there that um, there is no fear in love. Like perfect love cast out fear, so that you can stand boldly before the throne of God. Right, which is what I needed. Like that's and so sure. my fears were drowned. Again, that concept of of being drowned in in a flood, like or, overwhelmed. Yes. So my fears were just they had, they could not stand a chance once I understood what love was. Right. Once love became my center focus of Christian Christianity. Once I realized that God is love, love in a very direct and real way, it pushed out. It drowned all those fears mm. that I had. Uh, says you rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. Mm. So, a uh, powerful song for me. I, I I really, again, it's not a direct praise song, but it is about a personal journey and what God has done in that journey. And it's so powerful uh, to me that it just it, amazing. Love it. Oof. 
All right. So I asked you before the um, uh, before we started the podcast if I could I could do ancient the ancient hymns that have been you know yeah. revamped mm-hmm. and uh, and you said yes. So I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> like I'm in charge of all this. Well, I just, like, <laughs> I want to make sure that like, was part of our I listing. Make, I the make criteria. the rules here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my number nine uh, is definitely before the throne of God above. Have you heard this one? Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, so originally written by Andrew Hodge, um, old, old hymn. Um, and again, it's just like in Christ alone. Uh-huh. Like, it's, it's, it's a hymn. They've modernized the music to it, so it, it's kind of nice and it's way sweeter than it was back in the Victorian era. But it's, uh, it's powerful. So... <laughs> Sweeter um, than it was back then. It, it, they just they just weren't very sweet back in the Victorian era, right? So okay, so basically, it, it tells the story again of Christ's redemption. Mm-hmm. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea: a great High Priest whose name is Love, who ever lives and pleads for me. Mm-hmm. So that picture of Christ interceding, right? Yeah. That, that Hebrews High Priest. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Oh, wow. Power. Mm. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That substitutionary atonement picture. Um, Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect, spotless righteousness. My righteousness, the risen lamb. Uh The great, unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. That line right there, one with himself. In other words, I am one with Christ. Right. And because of that, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the theology alone in that is just absolutely powerful, um, and it's straight-up substitutionary atonement. But what I love the most about that is this whole picture of Christ is our righteousness. His work is completely done. He is our great high priest who is continually interceding for us, mm-hmm. and we are one with him. <laughs> and we cannot be, when Satan says, you know, you're, you're an idiot, you can point to Christ and say, yeah, but I'm one with Christ. Back right, off. Right. You know? <laughs> and that's, oh, it's just powerful to me. So, anyways, that's my uh, number eight. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay, my next one is almost cliche. Okay. Right? Because this song is so overplayed in churches. <laughs> I know where you're going. That it is, it, it's just completely overrun. But sure. I am choosing oceans <laughs> where feet may fall. Okay. So it's Hillsong thing, obviously. That, right. Okay. But uh, my here's where I'm coming from on this. Uh, I can't sing this song without thinking of Haiti. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, so we've talked about my journey that took me to foreign mission work and, and, and Haiti and all that stuff beginning in 2009. Um, there was a literal calling. Like I was, in 2009, I was like called out. Like there was this uh, yearning in me to do 
more. Like I can't just be a pew sitter. I've got to do something. And this, this all led up to, uh, Six months later, like uh, that journey started six months before the earthquake. And then when the earthquake hit, I had all this opportunity to go to there. And, and so um, going has always been this, this, since that point, has been a very emotional thing for me. So like whenever I read the Great Commission, like we we're talking about it in our, in our life groups, uh, about what it is to make disciples. And the very first thing he says is go... Mm. And make disciples. So go into all nations. That's the 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 the, the calling there. And so um, there was a song that I think I may have mentioned on our previous episode by Times of Grace uh, called "Where the Spirit Leads," and that's in the lyrics to that song that came out in 2010. So it came out like right after I had this experience, mm. and the lyrics to that song said. Um, my soul was weak within me, but I can't run from this destiny. Just give me your mercy, and I'll go where the Spirit leads. Mm. Very simple, but very direct. Like saying, you've given me so much mercy, I will go anywhere that the Spirit takes me. Like, there are no holds barred. Wow. And, uh, and so that really hit home with me. So anyway, whenever we, we began to sing these contemporary songs, and... Uh, everyone's playing oceans like crazy, and I, I don't really know what everybody else's draw to oceans is, but to me, it's the lyrics. The lyrics just speak to this mm. for me. So, so the lyrics to oceans say, "You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail, and there I find you in the mystery. In oceans deep, my faith will stand." So. I kind of believe that the author of this had in mind the whole Peter event, you know, going out onto the water. Mm -hmm. But from my perspective, I'm hearing crossing oceans. I'm hearing this, this, you know, call to go out where my feet will fail. Like Haiti is a horrible place in and of itself. Like, it's just it's just not inviting. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> I've been there. I know that. <laughs> and feet will fail there, right? Yeah. And it's through I know that through my faith I'll be able to stand mm. in that. So that's why I keep hearing this in this song. Um, the chorus says, And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. And when oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. So this is all about trust, and it's all about faith. And and like my previous song, uh, just give me your mercy. I'll go where the Spirit leads. Um, verse 2 says, your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. So if you're looking at places that are deep waters, I've been to places that are were so nasty and so... Like it was deep waters, man. Sure, it was walking. It was really walking through uh, deep waters. But I saw grace there, abundantly, it, mm. abounding there, and uh, uh, things that that just made me feel ashamed for where I had been and what I had been doing and where I put levels of importance. And it just it was a complete game changer for my faith and how I walked and that sort of thing. And so uh, your sovereign hand will be my guide. Oh my. I mean, it's like 
we make all these plans when we go on these mission trips and then God takes over. Like it's, it's like, forget your plans. Mm. I've got a better plan. And he, and he just, his hand becomes our guide. It says where feet may fail and fear surrounds me. I remember thinking, I hope I don't get stuck in this country. (laughs) I hope I can get back home. I mean, fear was everywhere. Um, and it says, but you've, you've never failed and you won't start now, which I think is uh, a great statement of faith. Yeah. You're not, you, you haven't failed before. You're not going to start now. So I am going to, to put my faith in this. Um, and, of course, the bridge, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Uh, that, I guess, is one of the biggest statements that hit home with me because I had to argue about this with so many people. Everyone wants to be like, why are you going over there? There's all these Americans that need help, and there's all this sort of thing. And I'm Can't you do that at home? And I did this whole big study about the wind and how the wind goes where God leads it. It doesn't stop at the borders. Like, right. we made those borders, not God. And so, uh, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Mm. I mean, it just echoes into that. Let me walk upon the waters. Wherever you would call me, again, I relate that to that other song I was talking about. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Yes. So it's a tired song. I know it gets sung all the time, but the lyrics speak to me so well, I can't help but pick it. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, even though it's a tired song, that doesn't mean it's not a good song. That's true. And... uh, (laughs) Like this one that that I'm going to talk about. It's probably next. tired because it is good. That's right. <laughs> they did it over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, all right. So my number eight was Lord, I need you. So I'm going to jump over to that one. Okay. And I'm going to go to number number seven. Now um, I'm biased because I'm a Rich Mullins freak. Um, and this actually wasn't even written by Rich Mullins, but was written <clears> by <throat> David Strasser, which is Beaker. He actually wrote a lot of Rich Mullins songs. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, really? Like, whenever they sing uh, Step by Step, Oh, God, you are. Right. Rich, Rich didn't write that. David Strasser wrote that. And this is actually my, ah. this is one of my top ten. So number seven, Sometimes by Step. I, the chorus, okay, so earlier on I said, you know how songs, I, I have two criteria. That yeah, have to yeah. This, throw that out the window. Because this one, um, yeah. The verses have nothing really to do with God, as much as they have to do with the human struggle and walking mm-hmm. in faith. Right. So the verses have nothing to do with that. But then the chorus just comes in and resounds this awesome, uh, well, you'll hear the chorus. All right, so the verses are, are like this. Um, and nobody ever sings the verses in churches anyway, so it doesn't matter. They just sing that chorus <laughs> over like and the, over again. Uh, what is that other one? That uh, uh, yeah, our God is an awesome yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> that was let's a tired just, one. Let's just sing the chorus. Nobody ever sings the verses because nobody could do that. But yeah. when you know, Lord wasn't joking when he put them on the. Red. Our God is an awesome, awesome God. God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, all right. So verse one. Sometimes the night is beautiful. Sometimes the sky was so far away. Sometimes it seemed to stoop so close you could touch it, but your heart would break. I mean, he's such a metaphor kind of guy. Um, sometimes the morning came too soon. Sometimes the day could be so hard. There was so much work left to do, but so much you'd already done. Mm. So it almost leaves this like, ugh, like I'm in despair. But then the chorus picks up, oh God, you are my God and I will ever praise you. 
Oh God, you are my God and I will ever praise you and I will seek you in the morning and I will learn to walk in your ways and step by step you'll lead me and I will follow you all, all of my days. Which is a direct quote from yeah. scripture. By the way, it's Psalm. Um, and I didn't even look up the Psalm. but I, You can look <laughs> it up on your own time. We actually had the chorus of that in our last hymnal. Yeah, that yeah that that our acapella singing. So yeah, I believe that because yeah, it kind of kind of became a hymn, didn't it? Yeah. Um, verse two is my favorite of this entire song, though. Um, and this is how it goes. It says, "Sometimes I think of Abraham, how one star he saw had been lit for me." Think about that. Wow. So when God yeah. takes Abraham out and he says, "Look at all those stars," yeah, yeah. so will the descendants, uh-huh. your descendants, be. That's what uh, David Strass is saying. He's one saw star that they, Ab- Abraham saw all those years ago had been lit for me. Like <laughs> I was one of his descendants, right? <laughs> I M eighty three or something like that. Right there, you go. <laughs> <laughs> he was a stranger in this land, and I am that no less than he. Which is this whole idea of we're strangers and sojourners. Mm-hmm. It was Rich's big push. Which right? is a great, yeah. Uh, Imagery. Yeah. Um, And on this road to righteousness, sometimes the climb can be so steep, I may falter in my steps, but never beyond your reach. That's pretty good. I mean, that's so good. Like the image of climbing up a mountain Mm -hmm. and always struggling, but never beyond God's God's reach. So I I just, I love that hymn, and I grew up singing it in church, and it's just, um, it's just powerful to me. Yeah, that's great. Anyways, all right. Okay, so um, the last two I have here are, um, I guess, I haven't actually. Well, one of them I've I've led in in our our worship, uh, but the other one I, I haven't. Okay, so I, I've been like I've been really digging the singer songwriter type of of worship music. Yes. This this uh folky uh Irish inspired type of thing, uh Wren Collective, I am they, those those type of bands. And uh so I picked a Wren Collective song because um man, I want to do some, some more Wren Collective in our worship. We're going yeah. to we're gonna have to get together and, Definitely. And, and, and it's so hard for me to do cuz it's so I'm rhythm, left-handed and the rhythm is completely different. Yes, and yeah. so it's just difficult for me to figure out. Yeah, we got to get one of those stomp uh, sticks stomp or fiddle. whatever. <laughs> Stomp fiddles so, are awesome. Yeah. My dad's church, there's a guy that played a stomp fiddle. Really? I got dad up there playing the stomp fiddle, really? and I did a Ring Collective <laughs> song at the revival I did like last, oh, last year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really neat. So the the one that I picked is from their latest um, Campfire album, Campfire 2. Okay. Um, it's called Free as a Bird. And the, the lyrics in it are, take me back to the... To I'm no longer a slave. It's it's the same concept. The like the, but it's a little bit more poetic, um, and a little bit more tied to nature and that sort of thing. So the the, the words to the song says, um, "You break us out of our cages into the wide open spaces. We are free, mm. free as a bird on the wind. No prison wall can contain us. Your beating heart makes us fearless. We are free." Free as a bird on the wind, mm. and uh, I, once again, this comes back to my feeling of breaking free, yeah, and being free of sin, being free of guilt, being free of fear, uh, all those types of things, and feeling this. This embodies my feelings of flying, 
and just soaring above and breaking out of this gilded cage that I've been in and soaring up to God. Sure. And so um, I love this concept. The, the, it says, love cannot be tamed. And I love that. Like, love cannot be tamed. The The love of God is dangerous. Yes. The love of God is not an emotion. It is not feelings. It is not. It is a wild and crazy, dangerous thing that will get you killed if you do it enough. Rich Mullins used to say, the reckless, well, actually is a song called The Reckless Raging Fury that they call the love of God. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I love that. And, and it goes also to Narnia, C.S. Yeah. Lewis, talking about, you know, is is Aslan a tamed lion? Yeah. No, he's no. not tame, but he's good. And that's, this is, I love that. Love cannot be tamed. Uh, you shatter every chain. Mm. The chorus says, let our praises run wild and free. Your lion heart is alive in me. <laughs> Let our freedom and joy begin. With you, we're dancing upon our chains. With you, we're soaring on eagles' wings. I just love that imagery in those lyrics. It's so powerful. They got the whole the lion thing going on, and this whole concept of dancing with joy and dancing on our chains. Like it's I've broken out of this because of you, and I'm celebrating all over the things that held me down. Yeah. And so I just think that's really cool. Uh, verse 2 says, Take us beyond our horizons, leading us into your wildness. We are free, free as a bird on the wind. You are the greatest adventure. You are my uncharted waters. We are free, free as a bird on the wind. Hmm. And the bridge says, You made us uh, for so much more. You take us to greater shores. You raise us above the storms. Mm. Um, the concept kind of also coming back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the sparrows. God is watching them. If, if one falls from the sky, he's there to pick it up. And, and so with this idea of being free as a bird, we have that same confidence that God is going to take care of us that he's going to lift us up above the storm and that he's going to carry us and we can continue to fly and be free mm. without worry and without pain, without fear. And because our trust is in him. Amen. So awesome song. We need to learn it. That's good. <laughs> Definitely. We'll do that. Yeah. All right. Another song that we've never done as a church together here. I, I've done it earlier. Actually, Riley and Jack were the ones that introduced this band to me, Ghost Ship. Uh, it's a worship band, Mark Griscoll's worship band, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, from way back whenever he started Mars Hill yeah. Church. And uh, one of their songs just absolutely is powerful to me. It's called Poison Tree. Uh, it's one of their worship songs, and they do it. And uh, what I love about this song is it's it's straight-up metaphor, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and it's so negative and sad, and then it just builds up, and it gives this whole beautiful dichotomy of being dead and destroyed and then being brought back to life. Um, so what's cool is this is actually a stolen song. So originally this was a a poem written in 1937 by Billie Holiday and Abel uh, Maripole. And actually just a couple of the lines are stolen. It was originally a poem about uh, lynching in the Deep South. <laughs> wow. I'm going to read you this poem. It's, it's really, it's 
disgustingly sad. Oh, man. But here's how it goes. Southern trees bear strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood on, at the root, black bodies swinging in the southern breeze, strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Oh, man. So the imagery there, and it gets even worse. I'm not going to read the rest of this. I mean, it's just it's oh. so so heavy. Right. So they took <clears throat> that, and which is which is a disgusting part of our American history. Yes. And they equate it with the human condition, which is actually, we're all like that. Yeah. We're all yeah. disgusting. And so this is the lyrics. This tree bears strange fruit. So he's talking about himself here. Mm-hmm. This tree bears mm-hmm. strange fruit. There's blood on the leaves. It's dead at the roots. The cracked gray branches are decaying within, just like the black poison that hangs on its limbs. Oh, wow. Okay? So this image of... of um, of sin that's you know you're born into um that that destroys you from within at the beginning right uh, but then the refrain is come and dig me up so this is a cry out to god yeah come and dig me up reach down to the roots rip the deadness out and plant something completely new and then the refrain the chorus comes in and it says i am alive i will abide in the life-giving blood of christ i'm grafted in you killed my sin now i can live i'll live in him wow so That's it's awesome just, yeah and <laughs> then what's what i love this next uh verse is so true for so many of us I tried to tie fresh fruit to a tree that had poison all the way through. <laughs> How many times do we try to do that, right? right. Our righteousness. Right. Yeah. Right, right. We try to make ourselves look good and mm-hmm. tie nice, pretty things onto us. But the truth is we can't produce that dead good fruit. Dead men's bones. Yeah, we're dead yeah. men's bones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it rotted and fell out, fell off. It was dead to the core. It even killed the ground. The ground, I was worse than before, right? Uh, it says, you can't tie fresh fruit to a tree that has poison all the way through. It will rot and fall off, and soon it will die. It'll even kill the ground. It's a matter of time. And then he refrains, come and dig me up, reach down to the root, rip the deadness out, plant something new. Wow. So it's this beautiful picture of Christ coming in and just totally restoring us. And, you know, after a week of struggling and being frustrated, it's nice to come in and cry that out to God. Oh, <laughs> you a- know? Amen. So I, I love that song. That's awesome. All right. Okay, my last one uh, is... Uh, one that is kind of unconventional, probably not a lot of people have heard about it, um, okay. but I have led it a couple times in at the way. Um, it is by Aaron Gillespie. Now, um, I have this penchant for, I mean, I've talked about this before, I like this uh, hard music, yes, he- heavy do. music, hardcore this, music. This syncopated rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> Your soul is going to rot. <laughs> So um, a lot of these guys that are in these bands do do like a little side project of praise music, you know, and they the, where it's it's just completely uh, well. Aaron Gillespie is all over the map. He was yes. part of Under Oath. He was the drummer uh, of Under Oath at one point and uh, singer as well. And um, and he's anyway he's been in uh, the Almost. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> so he's got this this wide variety of music anyway. Right. Uh, but anyway, he did a worship album. He's done several, but uh, but his first worship album uh, had this song on there called um, 
I will worship you. Hmm. And I love it because it is a declaration that I'm committed to God and I will worship him. I will worship him when things are bad and I will worship him when things are good. Yeah. And I love the, the, the progression that the song uh, takes us because it starts out when things are horrible for us. So the lyrics say, when I'm losing, when I'm broken, when I'm sinking like a stone and it feels like I'm alone, I will worship you. And sometimes that's really hard, right? Yeah. Because those are the times whenever we start wondering what God's up to, our Job moments, yeah. where it's like, I'm broken, I'm losing, nothing's going my way. God, what in the world are you up to? Mm-hmm. Um, and the lyrics of the song says that when I feel like I'm alone, when, I, when, I, when I'm sinking like a stone, I will worship you. Mm-hmm. So then it, it progresses a little bit. The second verse says, when I'm so scared and when life is unfair, when I'm tired and lose my way, when I'm feeling so ashamed, I will worship you. Mm-hmm. So again, things aren't all that great. Um, and things seem unfair. They seem you're in fear, uh, but you're still dedicated that, you know, no matter what, I'm going to worship God. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's right the opposite for us. Like sometimes it's easier to worship God when things are going well. Oh, yeah. And harder whenever things are... But then it's also, it's easier to cry out to God when things aren't going so good. But sometimes we don't remember to cry out to God when things are going well. Mm. (laughs) So I think there's all kinds of different things in this about being consistent in our praise and in our worship. That when times are bad, when times are good, I, I will worship you. So the chorus of the song says, You are the anchor to my soul. Draw me to you and don't let go. Only your love can make me whole. Mm. Jesus, I worship you. Uh, And then it switches gears and it says, when I'm dancing, when I'm hopeful, when I'm feeling mercy's hand and I'm living life again, I will worship you. And then I I love the way he records this song, actually, because he goes up up an octave on this last part. Right. And almost screams this out. When chains are broken and when healing is coming, when your forgiveness floods my heart, this is my brand new start, I will worship you. Mm. So it's like this this whole journey from despair to dancing to to, uh, chains being broken again, uh, healing coming. You see the glory of God. And so you're worshiping him whenever things don't look good, and you're worshiping him whenever things are looking good. And it's being consistent because, as the chorus says again, you are the anchor to my soul. Draw me to you. Don't let go. Only your love can make me whole. Jesus, I will worship you. And so, anyway, that was the uh, the last one that I picked. I just thought that that was uh, one of these songs powerful. that really spoke to me. So It's that idea of worshiping and the good and the bad. And I, I have one that, that I'm going to go through with that, too. So, okay. So you left me with, uh, what is it, five more <laughs> that I have to cover? All right. So I'll do these quickly. This, I okay. believe, or the creed. 
Um, yes, this, that's an awesome one. Yes, it came <laughs> out, uh, Ben Fielding, it came out in 2014. It's a Hillsong song, but I, I love it because it's so it's so doctrinal. And mm-hmm. I like doctrinal things. Yes. I, just in that, that mode, that's me, and it yeah, brings me to worship. We are theonauts. Yes, we are theonauts, and so it's a natural thing Theology. for me to, to love that. But it, it's so, it focuses... It's it's a great song to teach your church if you're ever going to walk through the Trinity, mm-hmm. or you're going to spend some time in the right. doctrine of the Trinity. Right. Um, so because the the verses are, they play out on the, the the old. It's basically a take on the Apostles' Creed, right? Yeah. Um, so our Father everlasting, the All Creating One, God Almighty, through Your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. That first verse right there is just the Trinity, yeah. right? It gives us a picture of the Trinity and theologically correct picture of the Trinity. Of chorus, I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus. And it's interesting that we will rise again. Mm. Because whenever you say resurrection, the first thing you think of is Christ. Right. But the idea is that we identify with him in the, the resurrection, yeah. we're going to rise again. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15. Exactly. If there's no resurrection, then all of this is in vain. Exactly. So, okay, <laughs> verse 2, our judge and our defender. The dichotomy of that statement. <laughs> our judge. A, ah, a paradox. Right. And our defender. <laughs> <laughs> How can you be the judge and defender? Right. God the Father and God the Son. The defense lawyer. Yes. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. Suffered and crucified, forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose a glorious life forever seated high. Again, this is this is straight up the Apostles' Creed right there. Okay. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in Holy Spirit. Our God's three and one. I believe in resurrection. Um then the second chorus was really cool, and it'll throw anybody off um, because they'll immediately think they're Catholic. <laughs> like the right. first time you hear it, was, yeah, yeah, you're like, no, I thought the same thing. This makes total right. sense. This is absolutely true. Uh, I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. Here. <laughs> we're talking about God's holy church, which is the. The saved ones, yeah, yeah. we believe in that. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's that's a powerful thing, and and you know the Roman Catholics that they have a part in that. Whatever, <laughs> fight me on it. Bring it on. Um, I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again, and now it brings it back to Jesus when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I just, oh, this is such a fun song to sing in church too, because really. Um, there are a few songs Could that... Could you get caught in the infinite loop? Yeah, you can You can <laughs> get caught in the infinite loop. But there are a few songs that I can look out with the people and I can see them worship. Yeah. And this is one of those. Um, and they're, they're crying out, I believe in the name of Jesus. Powerful. Mm. It's a powerful one for me. All right, next. How deep the Father's love for us. Oh, but that's a hymn, right? Uh no, it was written it in '95 by oh, really? Stuart Townsend. Okay, yes, it's another one of those that makes you think it's a hymn because it, it's three verses, no chorus, <laughs> right, and it sounds right. like a hymn. But again, it's just beautiful. Oh my god, like, that's one of so my all-time favorite hymns. Yes, so because I thought I thought of it as a hymn. So yeah, uh, so um. Those this is lyrics just rip your heart right out of your chest. Right. This is one of those that reminds me a lot of uh, In Christ Alone. 
because these two are kind of almost interchangeable. In fact, at the Easter retreat, I accidentally started in Christ alone when I should have started How Deep the Father's Love for Us. That's how close these are together. Do you remember that? Yeah, I thought you just had your slides mixed up. No, I, it was me. I messed up on that. Mel didn't. So it was my fault. All right, so the verses, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, How Vast Beyond All Measure That He Should Give His Only Son to Make a Wretch His Treasure. Oh, man. How Great the Pain of Searing Loss, The Father Turns His Face Away. I mean, I just get goosebumps when I hear that. Mm-hmm. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Mm. It's the gospel right there. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. Oh, that's the one that gets me. <laughs> yeah. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished to tell us die. Yeah. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. There's Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I should boast in anything, yeah. be yeah. it Christ. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. That's beautiful. Those are beautiful lyrics. I mean, this... It's some of the best lyrics of any song ever written. How I do think. you... There's, how do you not say that that is not God-inspired? Because that is just so powerful. Yes. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And, I mean, it does such a great job of, of balancing God's glory with your wretchedness. Like, mm. it's... It, this whole concept of, I mean, it, those are lyrics that are hard to sing for me. Like, I can't hardly get them out of my throat because it's because I start cracking mm-hmm. under it. And that whole thing about uh, ashamed I hear my mocking voice among the scoffers. <laughs> oh, it's like, <laughs> I, I, it's, that's ouch. so real. <laughs> yeah, so, ouch. So, oh. Okay, next. Uh, this is a song that we just recently started doing at church. Um, it was brought in to my attention by Christina and Meredith and like Anne and in our shepherds group, they were like, we got to do the song. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is a really good song. It's by elevation worship, uh, which is a new kind of big, yeah. they're the new hill song. They're the new hill song. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but the song is just, oh, it's powerful. It's a, it's a call. It's, it's talking to people, mm-hmm. but it's, it's reveling in what Christ has done. So, uh, it's, Oh, come to the altar. Yeah. And uh, the verses, all right. Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? I love that line. <laughs> Jesus is calling. The chorus, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. You know, this reminds me a lot of... Uh, There's a lot of hymns that, that yes, fall those lines. that's right. It's it's almost an altar call. Yeah. Well, it is an altar call. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Bring your sorrows and it's trade an invitation them song. for joy. That's right. <laughs> that's right. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Now, the thing I like about this song, and that most most people do, I didn't do it last time we played this because I messed up, but uh, nobody caught it, but I knew it. Uh, and you knew it because it was on the slide. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? 
I just flipped through. Oh, you're you, talking about the very end of it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a okay. tag on the end of this. Yeah. And it's verse three, according to their thing, but there's, yeah, it's, it's not a, really a verse. It's half a verse, and it's a tag. And the reason I love, this is my favorite part of the song. <laughs> Because it's after going through all of that, after that altar call, it's mm-hmm. a commission. Yeah. There's a commission at the end of this song. And I love that. There's no commission at, at the end of all those other hymns. Yeah. But this one has a commission, and this is what it says. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good, right? In other words, suffer for Christ. Yeah, yeah. You're, now that you've drank from the well, now that you've come and realized how awesome Christ is and He's a Savior, yeah. carry now, on. Now you're going to carry your cross. Right. Bear your crosses, wait for, the, wait for the crown, and then tell the world of the treasure you found. Mm. See, this is the gospel too, yeah, this yeah. song, yeah. right? And it's a, it's a commission at the end, which is what Christ does to us. <laughs> he commissions us. And so I I love that tag. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. It's, it's awkward to sing, though. Yes, Because it is. the song just stops. Stops. But I love that, because you're thinking about that. Well, mm-hmm. for me, as a musician, that makes me think, wow, like, this is, this is a very powerful statement. Right, right. For it to stop like that. Well, you know? I, I love artistic things like that anyway, yeah. that, I mean, where they, where you take something like that because it has the song continues in reality. Yes. Like the song stops abruptly, but the concept it's it's almost like this is not finished, keep going, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> right. And, and so your life is the answer to yeah. that unfulfilled part. Verse, yeah. 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 I love that. You are the unfulfilled that's, verse. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's good stuff. Man, that'll, yeah, that'll preach. But you know, I when I first started hearing that song, all I could hear was like, I mean, I really like it now. But at first, when I first heard it, I just couldn't get past the whole Jesus is tenderly calling today. You know, that whole, mm-hmm. that which has been so used. Overdone. Yes, in, in invitation songs for years and yeah. years and years. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you though. I I really love it. I think that it's got that uh, yeah that artistic quality. I really love. All right, number two um, is an older song, uh, and these are going back to my okay. So before Hillsong, there was this thing called Passion, right? Yeah, Passion was like the big songwriters in the early 2000s and the late 90s, and Matt Matt Redman is my favorite worship songwriter mm-hmm. um, just because he is absolutely like just, he doesn't pull punches with his songs. Yeah. Um, for example, he, be, he he started getting a name for himself being part of the Passion Crew and writing songs in England. He's actually from England and his church started like blowing up. People started coming just to hear his worship music. Right. So he and the pastor conspired. Have you ever heard the story? Uh-uh. He and the pastor conspired to stop doing worship. They're like, if they're coming for that reason, they're not coming for the right reason. Right. If they're coming just to hear a celebrity play music, then they're not coming for the reason. Right. So they stop. He stopped doing worship for like two months. Like just wow. They did hymns, or they, you know what I mean. <laughs> but they didn't do any of their <laughs> congregational con- singing. Open exactly. congregational singing. So at the end of this, Matt Redman wrote the song, um, and this isn't the song that I picked, but I just have to throw this out there. This is the type of punches that Matt Redman pulls. Uh, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart, right? Yeah. Um, oh, powerful. Like, yeah. That's yeah. just oh, that's good stuff. But my favorite song of his is Blessed Be Your Name. 
Okay. Um, yeah. Which is a lot like your last favorite song. Mm-hmm. It's it's about praising God in the horrible times and praising God in the awesome times. Right. Verse one: Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Verse two: Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your glorious name. Verse 3. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Verse 4. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Mm. Blessed be your name. Yeah. And the bridge, I, I just love it. You give and take away. You yep. give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Well, that's, I mean, he got that from Job, the book of Job. I know. I that, mean, that's, that's it. That comes right out of the book of Job. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. And, uh, that was funny. Like, uh, one of the places that you worked recently yes. uh, wanted to censor that song because it didn't fit with their theology. Right. <laughs> Well, okay, so there like, was a... Oh, okay, so you're going to just cut out Job? There was a man... <laughs> it comes right yeah, out of the book of Job. There was a man who passed away, and uh, and they asked me to lead worship for like a little chapel mm-hmm. for the kids because he was a teacher. And and so I'm like, sure, I'll do that. I, and I picked some songs, and I was about to do them, and the guy's like, oh, you can't do that one. I'm like, why? Well, it doesn't really fit with our theology. I'm like... <laughs> That's a really dangerous thing to say because this is like a direct quote from Scripture. Right. <laughs> you give and take away, blessed be your name. Do you not see that God gives and... It started like a, like an ongoing debate for the rest of the semester, but and it was really frustrating for me because this is... I believe that the gospel is spread through suffering. Yeah, yeah. I believe that our lives... There is there is a point yeah. to suffering, and it's a good thing. And And if... And if God only wants uh, comfort and peace for you, then the apostles got the shaft. A hundred percent. And that's what I, you know. It's like, what? <laughs> well, not just the apostles. What about yeah. Jesus? <laughs> right. I mean, right. honestly, come on. Ah, this is ridiculous. So anyways, all right. My last one uh, is, again, from the Passion Crew, and it's by Charlie Hall, which, I mean, this was really his only... Well, he did... Uh, um, what's the name of that song? I can't even remember it. Uh, In a Marvelous <laughs> Light, I'm Running. I don't know if you've heard that. In a Marvelous Light, I'm Running. Out of darkness, out of... It's a good song. But this one was kind of started the whole passion movement uh, with Louis Giglio. It was around here, actually, um, in Texas that he, he started this. They started in Waco. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they did Passion One One Cry. Their first album they ever recorded was an Ector. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, at the uh, ranch out there, Bob Carlisle's ranch. <laughs> they had a Passion One Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were, but that wasn't an actor. That was uh, bells. I mean, bells, yeah, yeah, not yeah. actor. Yeah, bells. Yeah, and yeah. They recorded this, and Charlie Hall's song became it was like the famous one voice that. thing. Or yeah, whatever. one voice. Yeah, give us clean hands. Mm. All right. So this is circa nineteen ninety two, ninety three, or ninety four. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. All right. So it's a very, very simple. There's one verse and one chorus. Okay, but I just love it because it it comes seven eleven. Yeah, seven eleven. It comes straight from 
Psalm, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Yes. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Mm -hmm. So the verse is, we bow our hearts, we bend our knees, O Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things, O Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. O God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. This song, for me, um, whenever I first surrendered to Christ, was Mm -hmm. a huge thing that I would pray over and over and over again. Because I knew that the implication was I could never have clean hands and a pure heart. The right, only the only right. thing that could happen was if Christ came in and gave it to me. Yeah. Right? He came in and changed it. And so this this to me was just oh, such a powerful song. And I'd sing it over and over again. It's still my favorite worship song. And it's very simple and it's not really all that punchy, but it just it hits me in a soft spot. So wow. that's my favorite worship song. Cool. Yeah. Okay, well, I got an honorable mention. Okay. Okay, because you mentioned Matt Redman. Yes. Um, okay, another tired one that gets used a lot. Sure. 10,000 reasons, right? <laughs> Bless the <laughs> Lord of my soul. And the reason why I've given this an honorable mention is because it it also has a, uh, a sentimental thing for me. Sure. With Haiti. Because... Uh, one of the first times we worshipped with one of the churches that we serve over there uh, in Haiti, of course, they it's all in Creole. They worship in their own way. It's completely different than everything that we do, right? And so we're there. We're enjoying their worship. They're, it's, they're all singing in Creole. Very, li- very few of them can even speak English. Yes. And uh, whenever... They were near the end of the, of one of their worships. We'd been there for a couple of hours by this time. Um, it had gotten dark, and the pastor there said, we want to do one more song for the missionaries. And he went to his room, and he comes back with this crumpled up piece of notebook paper. And four or five of them huddled around a light, and they began to sing 10,000 Reasons by uh-huh. Matt Bredman in English. Wow, and it was the, it was the most broken English <laughs> rendition of that song ever, but it was so beautiful mm. because of the heart that was behind it. And uh, since then, we've noticed that the Haitians really like that song. Right, like uh, uh, we've heard it in Creole now. Uh, <laughs> they, they teach it to the children, like any any of the like Jesus loves me or anything else. They teach them ten thousand reasons. So anyway, I just thought that was really cool. I really like that song, not necessarily because it hits me personally, but because it has a sentimental value uh, to it. And I think the lyrics are cool anyway. So wow. Anyway, so um, that's is that our is that our countdown? I think that's it, man. That's the countdown. The countdown. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of worship songs we could have we oh could have pulled out. I mean, this is like I crossed out like five at least when I was doing this. So, <laughs> so. you want to do some news? Yeah, let's do some news. And now the news. 
All right, so we know Eugene Peterson, the famous writer of The Message. The Message. Did yeah. you hear all the controversy around him and same-sex marriage? No. Okay, so he was a Presbyterian minister, and his um, his uh, denomination, there's a couple different sects of the Presbyterians. Yeah. Is the more liberal. Like most of all the... Right. Well, his denomination recently came out for uh, the Presbyterian Church USA recently affirmed homosexuality and began allowing its clergy to perform same-sex weddings, okay? Okay. So Peterson uh, was being interviewed by somebody, um, uh, RNS columnist Jonathan Merritt. Now, you got to understand this guy's 84 years old. And so <laughs> Peterson, he asked Peterson, if you were pastoring today and a gay couple in your church who are Christians of good faith, asked you to perform their same-sex married wedding ceremony. Is that something you would do? Peterson had responded with one word, yes. He said yes. But I don't think he understood actually what the guy was asking him because he came out and he's like, uh, later on he, he printed a retraction. He's like, I've never performed a same-sex wedding. I've never been asked. And frankly, I hope I never am asked. And then he said... Um, Recently, a reporter asked me whether my personal opinions about homosexuality and same-sex marriage have been changed over the years. I presumed I was asked this question because of my former career as a pastor, which is a firm uh, pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA, which has affirmed it. Having retired from the pastor more than 25 years ago, I acknowledged to the reporter that I haven't had a lot of experience with it. He said, to clarify, I affirm a biblical view of marriage, one man and one woman. I affirm a biblical view of everything, he said in a statement <laughs> Thursday afternoon. He's <laughs> like, thanks. He's like, uh, he regressed the confusion and bombast. So basically, like, it was it hit Christian headlines a big deal oh, wow. when Eugene Peterson affirmed same-sex marriage, right? It's crazy. It's a well ongoing battle. So do you like the message? I love the message. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> I I love some of it. I especially, I like the original version. Oh, you don't like the remix? No. I like the original version because it was hilarious with the 70s oh, uh, yes. lingo. Man. It had this like... Hopping down groovy, Sin Avenue. Groovy, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I thought. I just thought it was really kind of funny. Because, I mean, you're like the sins of the flesh in Galatians 5. I remember one of the sins of the flesh that it was translated as uh, dirty sex. Like, dirty sex. <laughs> like clean would be okay, yeah. but not, 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 dirty. not dirty sex. <laughs> but, so anyway, yeah, I thought it was... Uh, I used to get a big kick out of uh, some of his phrasings. But you know one thing? I think that the message is well-named. Because if you want to get like an overall understanding of a book or something like that, skimming through it in the message gives you a pretty good idea of what the message of the book is. Right. Uh, I think that he loses it when you get down into the verses. Well, sure. And th that's the thing we got to understand is the message is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. And so for me, it's not a... I wouldn't... I wouldn't use it as your typical Bible study Bible. Mm, I would no. use it as a great, great paraphrase to help or... you understand sometimes. <clears throat> it, but it, but it, again, it's rewritten in his own words, and so you can't really, yeah. you can't really you do know, a Bible study on it. 
that's just an extension of almost every translation because even a quote unquote word for word translation is still fraught with yeah, but the not opinions as much. Of the <laughs> not as much. Come on. Oh, definitely not as much. But there's no such thing as a true that's right word for word translation. That's why the best translation is all all of them. Yeah. Right. Good. Okay. Um, Protestants keep ditching denominations. There's a rise of non-denominationals. Uh, in fact, if you were to go out and ask the the uh, the um, basic Christian what church they belong to, you're more likely than ever to hear the label non-denominational. According to a new Gallup poll, uh, the specific denomination uh, uh, Protestants in the United States who don't identify with a specific denomination doubled between 2000 and 2016, according to the Gallup poll released this week. Now about one in six Americans are non-denominational Christians. Mm. What do you think about that, Me? Mr. Ex-Church of Christ? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> I could throw that back at you. Oh, I know you could. Bring it on. <laughs> but... Uh, um, Okay, my opinion is, first off, there's no such thing as a non-denomination. <laughs> okay. Because by its very definition, a denomination means a name. So unless your church does not bear a name, you have a denomination. All right. You might not be affiliated with a major mainstream denomination, but you still have a name. And so I don't like the term non-denomination. <laughs> okay, uh, tell me how you really feel. So, but, I mean, for example, the way does not belong to a mainstream denomination. Right. We are not Baptists. We right. are not Methodists. Right. We are not Presbyterians. Right. We are not Church of Christ. We are Christians. Yeah. And so as long as... So I don't have a real problem with people aligning themselves with that. I think that there are reasons for that. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, the bigger a denomination gets the more churches that fall under the umbrella of a denomination, the more corporate it becomes, and the more uh, corporate it becomes, the less... I I use that term loosely because corporate actually comes from the word corpse or body. Right. So corporal. Sure. Yes, we are a part of the body. Right. But what I mean is it becomes um, more incorporated. (laughs) Sure. And uh, so, and so, you end up falling to a lot of of loopholes and snags and things that come along with it. a lot of baggage comes mm-hmm. along with those denominations. And there's a lot of freedom in basically saying, you know what, I'm not going to tow the company line. I'm going to tow the line of Christ. Yeah. And um, some people will argue it's the same thing. Uh, at least in my experience, there's a big difference. Right. And there is a lot of freedom in not being nailed down to a specific sure. um, denomination. That's right. But And I, I totally agree with that. And in fact, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I know it's a trend in the Southern Baptist denomination before uh, um, I, I, we started the way. 
um, that most of the churches that were being started dropped either, either the Southern Baptist or just the Baptist moniker in general. Mm-hmm. So even if they were Southern Baptist, they weren't Southern Baptist in name. Right. They were just Southern Baptist in practice. Does that make sense? Well, or and they so, or they wanted the resources of the yeah, exactly <laughs> of the of the the body. That, right. <laughs> but uh, but they didn't want to carry the baggage of the name. But you see that it, that that happens a lot. Um, yeah. A lot of these big mega churches or whatever that have, were once affiliated with a denomination, but mm-hmm. have separated themselves from the denomination. Uh, a good example of that is uh, here in in our area. The village you got the village, which was used to be Highland Park. Uh, what was it? Highland Village Baptist Church. Baptist Church, yeah. and now it's just the village. Mm-hmm. They've dropped the the tie, or at least the in name. Uh, I was actually a part of a church. Uh, when we were dropping the name really? in, uh, in Missouri, yeah. Mm. It's pretty interesting. An- another big one here um, along those lines is uh, North Richland Hills Church of Christ yeah. became The, the Hills, Hills. <laughs> and dropped the Church of Christ moniker. And then there which... was this big fight between the oh, village yeah. and the hills. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Actually, they probably embrace each other quite well. Yeah, I bet they do. <laughs> Pretty awesome. All right. Apparently, the Shroud of Turin is stained with the blood of a torture victim. For centuries, people have debated the authenticity of the so-called Shroud of Turin, mm-hmm. a linen cloth purportedly believed to have been used in the burial of Jesus. The cloth may or may not be a real deal, but new research does lend its believers some grounds of justification. It's stained with blood from a torture victim. Institute of Christiography, Christology, <laughs> Christ. Christology, okay, <laughs> researcher Elvo, whatever, said that an analysis of the shroud revealed nanoparticles of blood that would not be consistent with that of a healthy person, according to the Independent. Our results uh, point out that the nanoscale, a scenario of violence, is recorded in the funeral fabric. Authors wrote in a scientific article published in the PLOS1. The consistent bound of uh, ferritin iron to creatine occurs in human organisms in case of a severe polytrauma. That's not all. Reachers also believe (laughs) that that the peculiar structure, size, and distribution of the particles suggest the shroud was used as a burial cloth and dispel counter-theories of naysayers who argue that the Shroud was actually from, actually from medieval times. None of this means definitively that the Shroud of Turin is the genuine article, but Professor Gielbefabla says that the presence of these biological nanoparticles found during the experiments point to a violent death for a man wrapped in the Turin Shroud. Wow. That's mm. interesting. I, I, that, that, uh, that mystery has always intrigued me a little bit. I, it's not me. Really? I, it's Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> I believe it's Leonardo da Vinci. You're laughing at me, but it's definitely da Vinci's work. You think so? Huh? Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. 100%. I watched a really good documentary well, say, on it that blew my mind. There's a lot of things you can you can look at in it. Like, uh, for example, the, the way that it is embossed onto there. Uh-huh. Like... 
can't be replicated. Like, they've tried to replicate it. No, they can't. And they can't because it's not painted on. It's no, like... No, it's a picture. Yes, it's like photographed on. Exactly. Like with light. And they showed... I watched a documentary that showed how people did it using a Leonardo da Vinci's method. <laughs> Okay. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. It's crazy to me, but whatever. Anyways. So Leonardo da Vinci used tortured victims' blood to do the... I mean, okay. So think about that for a second. Okay. Da Vinci obviously had um, ability to get blood from uh, from bodies. Okay. Right? Because he was the guy that was he was doing underground operations on bodies, yeah. right, to figure out their what ticked and everything before that was legal. <laughs> so if anybody could have done it, it could have been Da Vinci. And right. he could have used torture victims because normally, you know, famous people's bodies, he couldn't get those. He would probably right. get criminals right. who right. had died, right? Okay. Think about that. Just Interesting. Saying. Just okay. saying. <laughs> it's definitely Da Vinci. All right. <clears throat> This is a disgusting and disturbing story that I don't even like to read, but it just frustrates me that it's it is our it's a picture of our total depravity as a humankind and why we need to spread the gospel. Um, police in Florida say that five teens filmed, laughed at, and mocked a guy who was drowning, a disabled man who was drowning. They filmed him, wow. watched him drown, and didn't do anything to help him. Five teenagers did this. They were arrested, but they will not be charged with any crime. Yeah, because I guess uh, apathy. Yeah, there's no law is, for apathy. Right. <laughs> for reasons that are not completely clear, 32-year-old J- Jamel Dunn, whose sister told Florida today is disabled and walks with a cane, waded into a retention pond near his home. Nearby, a group of five teens watched him begin filming. Even as Dunn began screaming and begging for help as he found himself in deep water. The video, which you can see, actually it's uploaded. They yell things like, we're not going to help you, and ain't nobody going to help you, you dumb blank blank. Yeah. As Dennis heard screaming, the teens laugh and say he just died. At no point did they attempt to render help or even call 911. Wow. Despite having a phone with them. Messed up. I just, it breaks my heart. That's ridiculous. <laughs> what in the world is, I mean, and this isn't just a, thing that's happening today it's it's the truth of total depravity Mm -hmm. it's just a messed up truth (sighs) all right five-year-old girl got fined for running a lemonade stand (laughs) i love this one it's hilarious (laughs) today in oh please a five-year-old girl in the uk had run afoul of the long and rather absurdly strict arm of the law by setting up a lemonade stand in a park near Lovebox, a British music festival. According to the girl's father, she had just finished selling about uh, one pound and 50p worth of her wares, less than $2 worth, when four officers stormed up to the table and shut a racket down, leveling a 150-pound <laughs> fine in the process. Overturning the tables. She sobbed all the way home. (laughs) That's horrible. (laughs) So funny, though. You! You there! You're not allowed to self-eliminate anymore. All right. All right. I got one more thing. Pope news. I know I'm taking up too much time. Brothers and sisters, come together. 
Pope Francis has introduced a new pathway to Catholic sainthood, recognizing those who sacrifice their lives for others. The new category introduced in an official letter from the Pope on Tuesday is one of the most significant changes in centuries to the Roman Catholic Church's saint-making procedures. Uh, Before the change, there were three categories that provide a path to sainthood, being killed for the faith, living a life heroically of Christian virtues, and having a strong reputation for religious devotion. The the process of becoming saint begins after an individual's death. According to the Vatican Official News, the new category has five main criteria. The individual must freely and voluntarily offer their life in the face of a certain and soon-to-come death, They must be a close relation between the offering of one's life and the premature death of one who offers it. The person must show Christian virtues, at least to an ordinary extent, before and after offering their life. They must have a reputation for holiness, at least after their death, and they must have performed a miracle. This is a major difference from the (laughs) martyrdom category, which does not require a miracle. That's kind of weird. So, okay. I turn water into wine, and then I it's, save you from a burning it, building. I'm a saint. <laughs> bing, like, bang, boom. It almost sainthood. sounds like they had someone in mind. <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> they well, like, I mean, what, 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 uh, what miracle? Uh, seriously, honestly, it's like, just, uh, that's great. <laughs> Everything was great. Yeah, you, until they said, yeah, you were, and you had to perform yeah, miracle. Yeah, so, that was a great thing you did there. All those. All those people but, that saved lives and sorry. then died in the wake. That, sorry. Yeah, it does sound like that. They have someone specifically in mind. They they definitely do. I imagine. So. But good for you, Apopa. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all I got, man. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Woohoo! Actually, it's email. Email. So, uh, actually, it's Facebook message. Facebook message. <laughs> Okay, so it says, hey, guys. Hey. My brother-in-law. Uh, what is this guy's name? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even print out his name. Come on, dude. Hang on, hang on. Hang oh, on. my gosh. Are you going on Facebook right? David's yes. looking up his Facebook. Lyle. Lyle. This is a Facebook message from Lyle. Lanolin, like Sheep's Wool? Lyle. Lyle, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Lyle. Hey, guys. Hey. My brother-in-law, Samuel Bobo. Ah, oh, yes. Samuel. Y'all pronounced it correctly. Introduced me to the podcast, and I've been working on catching up. I had a question, possibly a future show episode, but I thought y'all could do a better job exploring the topic than myself. My wife and I are both teachers, so we travel during the summer, and this has led us to visiting several different churches and several different types of praise and worship. Ah, it's going to kind of fit in here. Yeah. I wanted to know your opinion on what I see as the feminization of Christ through music. Ooh. In Revelation, it talks about Christ coming back on a white horse with a blood-stained robe, yet many songs talk about how sweet, soft, and kind his love is. Jesus flipped over tables in the temple, and the guards didn't even try to arrest him. I always viewed this as he was a carpenter, a strong guy, that the soldiers didn't want to have to fight with him. (laughs) All right. Am I viewing this in the wrong context, or are we, as a church body, doing Jesus somewhat of a disservice by giving him qualities that are traditionally viewed as feminine qualities? You guys do an amazing job at looking at topics through a viewpoint I and I think many others never have thought uh, about. 
Keep up the good work. Thanks for any insight you can give. Ooh, that's Some an interesting wild. one. I can see where he where he's coming from, and it, here's what I think it is. It, this is just this is just me. I think we have an overabundance of 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 songs about love and grace, which mm-hmm. is great, and a very little about the untamed lion, right? And so that's why I think what he's seeing is not necessarily a misrepresentation representation of Christ, hmm. but it may be not a complete and full representation. Right. Sure. Uh, we have to be careful about this um, uber-masculine Christ right. also. Yeah. Uh, and the, what I mean by that is like the Lord's Gym with the picture of the, the you know, Jesus yeah, yeah. ripped and push, doing push-ups with the cross on his back. You know what I mean? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that drives me up a wall because that I don't think that's a correct representation either. Um, and the the uh, the whole I, I don't I don't know how much uh, I see like the temple guards not wanting to mess with Jesus <laughs> thing uh, because he was buff. I think it was they didn't mess with him because he was Jesus and like yeah. like he you know it's like that one point where you know. Uh, Jesus made them fall back, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. And walked out of there because he he was Jesus; he could do whatever he wanted. Um, he had the power of of God through the Holy Spirit. So, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that, you are absolutely right. You know, the lion and the lamb is a dichotomy. Right. Um, we sang that song yeah, last Sunday, yeah. and he's a lion. He's roaring with power and authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the king. Um, and he's the coming king, the conquering king, with tattoos written on his thigh saying King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, you know, we don't really have that so much anymore. The warrior. The warrior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the captain of the Lord's host. Yes, which is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is definitely a warrior. And he is a man's man. I mean, he was, he was mm-hmm. Jesus. But, um, but he is also loving. And he yeah. is also gracious. He's the good shepherd. Um and they're they're vivid images of both and I don't yeah. think it's and I, I I agree I don't think that um I would not consider this a feminization of Christ right because I think largely we as humans have feminized certain aspects of humanity yeah that's true okay love for example love is not just a feminine thing no like in fact it takes strength to love like God. Right. It takes power and perseverance to love like Christ because, as we said, it's not an emotion. It is a willingness to do something self-sacrificing, and that's one of the hardest mm-hmm. things to do. And so, tenderness. So, yeah, it's not a tenderness is not a, a feminine thing. Right. I mean, it, it has feminine aspects, but it's to be tender to your children mm-hmm. is is a good thing. A good father yeah. is tender to his children. And so, that, you know, it's a well-rounded I think, m- man. I think the point that, that he brings out is a valid point. Sure. Because I do think that there are more, there's a huge abundance of songs that focus on this side of Christ mm-hmm. and very few that that focus on the the God of fire and vengeance and that sort of thing. And I think it's because one's more comforting. 
Yeah. Like, obviously, and we're looking for comfort. And it's we're a natural for, tendency towards that, right. that side of Christ. But I will say, having being a metalhead Christian worshiper, <laughs> I will say that that genre provides a lot of what you're looking for. <laughs> Go check out <laughs> for, for Today. For Today. For Today is... is for today is uh, is all about spiritual war. Hell, fear me. I am the one who will bring you down. Yeah. <laughs> when you fall, you'll see my face on the battleground. <laughs> That's so yes. good. It's very, there is all kinds of, of uh, Sleeping Giant is mm-hmm. another one that, that Sleeping Giant does a lot of songs about the second coming. Jehovah Shalom is an awesome song. There's a song out there called... Um, uh, called the morning star and it's basically the book of revelation in song mm. and it ends with them shouting maranatha the spirit and the bride say come it there there's there's lyrics out there about all this you won't find a lot of them in your mainstream That's churches right. uh, so i get a little bit of it here and a little bit of it there <laughs> and because i honestly i do love that mm-hmm. i love shouting about the magnificence mm. of God yeah. and the power that's in his his strength and his as being a mighty warrior and that the world will need to fall face down yeah. and worship and that is uh that is one of the things that I wish there were there was a little bit more of that in our worship demands mm-hmm. to fall before an almighty god in fear and, and trembling. Amen. Uh, because the world needs to. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, are we ready to get Ooh, out of here? Yeah, man. Thanks for writing, Lyle. Yeah, that was awesome. Con- continue to listen. Uh, uh, we probably didn't answer your question sufficiently, but... <laughs> we tried. <laughs> yeah. So, next time you go into a feminine church, stand up and shout, Jesus is coming, fall face down. <laughs> there you oh, go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, Don't man. do that. Don't say, uh, the Theonauts told me it was okay to yes. shout out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just hit the outro. Let's it's, do this. It's getting late, isn't yes. it? I got to get my, my sounds aren't working. Okay, hang on a second. Here we go. Oh, there we go. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission <laughs> Network, using new media and social networking <laughs> to go into all the world. <laughs> To proclaim, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Your voice changed. You yeah. Just crack me up. To find out more, <laughs> go to gctnetwork.com. <laughs> Subscribe to the newsletter and stay oh, up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us, because that helps us reach a larger audience. Wow, it went from, like, sultry to creepy. (laughs) There are several ways. (laughs) Batman here. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Where is she? (laughs) Send us email to, G- to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. 
And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. They really like me. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. All right, God bless. Where is she? Where is she? Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. This is your Great Commission Transmission.